Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, that we get to gather in your house to hear your word, to uh, mix with other believers. Lord, we thank you for today. And God, I pray that you will speak to every single person, Lord, as we hear your word. God, you've got a message for every single heart. I pray that you'll give us ears to hear. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So this month we have our series on Emmanuel, uh, which means God with us. And I'm going to take a bit of an interesting tact uh, on that theme this morning. And so I'm going to go straight to my title for you this morning, uh, which is God was, is, and always will be with us. That's the shortened version. My longer version is that no matter what you faced in your life recently, And in times gone past, God was there for you all the time, even if you didn't feel him. In today, God most definitely is with us. He's here. His presence is here this morning. And for a future, we've got a great future in him. So God will always be with us. And we're going to see through the scripture this morning and some some stories to help illustrate that, how God has always been with us, is with us, and will always be with us. And so my prayer this morning is that you'll leave this place having a deeper understanding that God is absolutely involved in every single part of our lives. So I want to kick off with the first uh, point then. God was with us. You know, we can look back at our lives sometimes um, and wonder, where was God with that? You know, I had these issues going on. Has he forgotten where I live? Uh, you know, he can, he can text me. He can send me an email. He can even talk to me. You know, where was God in some of those sort of situations? And, of course, we can always ask that amazing question, which is like, why? Now, why is always an interesting question to ask God, particularly when you're going to him, uh, perhaps through a state of distress or things are going on. But why probably isn't really the question to be asking. The question should be, what now? Because the why talks about what's already happened. The what now is the stuff that we've got control over. The what now is what we get to do before what God has placed for us. So I just want to give you a bit of a, uh, I suppose, a snapshot into just a small fraction of my life, an incident that happened when I was uh, a young boy. And so um, to kick it all off, I've got an image that I want to show you, first of all. So thanks, Colton. And fear not, this is not my car, although I have driven those. That's, that's a Commodore. It's um, almost the most recent model. That's the slightly just superseded model. But that's an example of um, what they do, crash testing. There's ANCAP ratings, and the Australian government mandates that all cars sold in Australia, brand new cars, need to go through crash testing like this, and then they give them a star rating as to how safe the vehicle is is and you can see they've got all um colored dots on the black and white dots on the side there there's slow motion cameras that capture it all that particular uh test that they do on there they do several of them that is a full width front impact uh test they do a side impact one they do one uh imitating where the vehicle actually slams into like a power pole or a telegraph pole uh so they do a whole bunch of tests like that but for that frontal impact uh test on there thanks colton the speed at which they do that one is 50 kilometers per hour 
And so that there, that's a Commodore that has a five-star safety rating, which means that accident is survivable. Even if you hit into a, a solid brick wall at 50 kilometres per hour, that was the damage that you saw that would happen to the vehicle. The vehicle is designed to absorb the majority of that impact, and then there's airbags that go off and protecting the occupants. And there was another linked image, which I didn't show you this morning, uh, but it actually shows you uh, one of the crash test dummies. That's what they're referred to as. They're the very smart robotic dummies, and they measure the impact on the human body and they even color code it uh, green is great no problems there red is pretty much you're dead and other colors are kind of like somewhere in between and so they showed you the images on that one and there were only a few areas there was actually no red images on the crash test dummy for that example there were some orange ones and there was quite a lot of green ones so those crash test dummies they're actually very expensive they can cost over four hundred thousand dollars u.s that's around $650,000 Australian. That's just one crash test dummy. So the car, that's chicken feet. The car's $30,000. The dummy is 400000 So when someone calls you a dummy, then maybe they're not being that disrespectful after all. They're perhaps implying that you are a person of great value. <laughs> so that's a different spin that you can have on it. But with that in mind, the car hitting a solid object at... At 50 kilometres per hour. Now we get back to my childhood story. It was my first push bike that I had, and it was a really old style bike. It didn't have any gears other than the one gear that was uh, chain driven by the actual chain on the uh, the bicycle, and it didn't have handbrakes or anything like that. The way that you would use the brakes is that you'd actually pedal backwards to activate the brake, just a little bit, not completely going backwards, but you'd put the pedals backwards and that would start the braking. So the braking was on the rear wheel and the likes. And so the chain was the way that you got really fast and then you backpedaled to actually slow down if you needed to. So I'm riding my bike one day and I'm going down this very steep hill and I'm king of the castle basically you know that scene from titanic well there's years ago leo's there with i'm the king of the world well that's pretty much my feeling as i was going down there you know wind in my hair type of thing going down this amazing hill my estimates were that i would probably been traveling between 30 and 40 kilometers per hour this was a steep hill and i was going pretty fast even though it was a, a rickety old bike and then the next thing that happened was pretty um disappointing i suppose the chain fell off so I was like, well, okay, so no more forward momentum, which is okay at the moment because I'm going downhill. But I suppose when I get down the bottom of the hill, I'm going to have to hop off the bike, put the chain back on again, which I'd done numerous times before anyway. So I'm going down this road, and there's an intersection that I'm coming up to. Now, I'm on the main road, and so there's an intersection, and so those vehicles need to give way to the main road, meaning they need to give way to me. Well, on the corner of my eye, I see over on the right-hand side there, there is a bus, and they clearly don't see me because they pull out right in front of me. Now, I suspect they either didn't see me or they misjudged my speed, thinking, oh, 12-year-old kid on a bike, he can't be going that fast, really. Well, yes, I was. And so by the time the bus got here, I was there. And I had a split second to decide, okay, Bruce, what am I going to do here other than probably die? And I kid you not, I thought, this is it. I'm just going to be plastered like a fly on a windscreen here. This is, this is it. This is good night, Bruce, and hello, God, type of thing. And I might mention, I actually didn't know God at that time. Uh, so probably even more scary. And so I thought, well, what do I do here? If I do nothing, I'm just going to go straight into the side of this bus because there was no way that it was going to go past by the time I got down the hill. So I thought, my best chance of survival here is to pull a really sharp left and actually try and come alongside the bus and not hit it, and not fall off my bike, and not go under the rear wheels, and that would have been pretty ugly as well. Well, 
amazingly, I was able to turn this really sharp corner at my high speed, go alongside the bus. I remember putting my hand out and touching the side of the bus, thinking, don't touch too hard, Bruce, because otherwise I'll push myself off and then I will go under those wheels. And I don't know how this happened. Well, I can tell you now, I believe it was God. Got alongside the bus here, and then the bus just continued going, and they were none the wiser. I was expecting passengers to be shouting out, stop, stop, you just hit a kid on the bike. No one saw anything, no one said anything, and the bus just carried on, and I pulled over and um, had a mild heart attack. <laughs> but I, I, you know, when I was preparing this message, I thought about that instance, and even then I mentioned I didn't know God, but I had an understanding of God. I believed in him, as in God obviously created all of this, but that was about as far as my faith was concerned. I just believed in God and that was it. But I remember thinking at the time, I think God might have just saved me then. And I absolutely know now that God saved me. So in such situations like that, you can absolutely know that God was with us. I know that God was with me in that particular situation. So let me give you another situation here then with different trials, and you can ask that question of where was God. Here's scenario number one. You've just planted a new garden. It's autumn coming up, and this actually happened to us a couple of years ago. And then what you want to have happen when you've planted a new garden and you're going into winter, you want to get the thing established as much as you can. And so you're really hoping for a fantastic downpour of rain. And that actually happened two years ago for us. It was like fantastic, awesome amount of rain. So that's a, a great outcome. You've got rain, it's a big downfall, and you're conclusion is that's fantastic here's another situation there's a wedding going on it's an outdoor garden wedding same day same rain downfall not fantastic same event but different events can mean different things to different people so it's not necessarily the event that may or may not be the issue, but it's really, what does it mean to us? What are the impacts on us? And I'm not suggesting that the people for the wedding shouldn't be upset about it. Well, of course, they're going to be upset. But our, our situations are always going to be different, regardless of what the event is. How about this scenario? You could have actually been the same person. You could have just planted your garden. You know that good rainfall is going to be great for that. But it's also the same day of your wedding in your brand new garden in your backyard. And so that can be a great thing or a not-so-great thing. So it really comes down to what's our response going to be to those situations. And, you know, God always gives us incredible choice. I was thinking about this this morning also that I'm not a parent, but I do understand because I've had parents, obviously. I understand that parents, as much as they would want to try and protect their children as much as they can and stop them from making certain decisions and stop them from doing certain things, they are completely powerless to do that, certainly the older the children get. Not so with God. He could stop us from doing absolutely everything. He gives the same and better guidance as our, heaven, our, our natural parents do. But he goes one step further. He says, actually, I'm not going to interfere at all. Parents will bring some correction. Parents will bring some level of restriction. Not so with God. He says, guys, here's all the instruction. This is for your best interest, but I'm completely going to leave it up to you. The responses are completely up to us in that situation. So just finishing up that point then, it's about understanding our scenarios and the situations. How do we respond to those things? Are we going to be angry with God forever or a couple of years or a couple of months or a couple of days? What I want to encourage you in that you're all here today. So obviously you've survived whatever that may have been. I want to encourage you to be looking for where God was in those situations. He might not have you know, provided the amazing answer that you might have wanted, but he was actually still there. So that's God was with us. Second point here, 
God is with us. Got an um, interesting little biography I want to read here. This is um, from an actor in Hollywood uh, called Stephen Baldwin. Um, you might not know of him so much, but most people probably know his older brother, Alex Baldwin. Well, there's quite a few other brothers. So this is Stephen Baldwin. And so this is a, a bit of an extract from an interview that I read recently. Uh, one day, this is Stephen Baldwin, one day he saw this young woman, Kenya, who is now his wife. She was an absolute delight, and they've been together ever since that day. Stephen and Kenya settled into married life, and soon they were expecting their first child. Kenya explained to Stephen that it's customary in Brazil to hire a nanny when a baby is on the way. Since Kenya was Brazilian, that's the way it played out. Now, this is where we pick it up from the interview. So this is the interviewer asking uh, Stephen Baldwin, and Baldwin is replying here. Stephen says, So we hired this lady from Brazil named Augusta, and the whole first week she's working for us, she's singing in Portuguese, which was the only language that she spoke, and she also spoke that with my wife. She's singing about Jesus. And my wife comes to me in a few days and asks me, Do you hear what she's singing about? She's singing about Jesus. My wife, after a few more days, approaches her. I noticed you're singing, and I'm wondering why every song is about Jesus. Augusta had this very interesting reaction. She burst out laughing. My wife said, what's so funny? She replied, quite frankly, I think it's a little funny that you think I'm here to clean your house. Just think about that for a moment. The interviewer says, isn't that why you hired her? Alex, uh, Stephen Baldwin continues, she goes on to tell my wife that before she accepted this job, she prayed with her pastor and some church members in Brazil. She was told through a prophetic word that if she went to live with the Baldwins, then one day Kenya and Stephen would come to faith in Jesus Christ and be involved in ministry. And that is exactly what happens. And Stephen and his wife now have an amazing skateboard ministry. Uh, He's a a well-known actor in Hollywood, and everyone knows uh, that he's a follower of Christ as well. So, you know, you can have your ideas and wonder, where is God? God is in our lives in all different situations. And through you, God is in other people's lives as well. So God sends us to people, and God sends people to us. And that might seem pretty simple, but how could it be any other way? If God didn't send people to us and God didn't send us to people, therefore he didn't use people at all, how does anything ever get done around here? How does God ever speak to anyone other than sending Jesus down, did that, and that was the plan, but the plan then was to follow that through and to work through each of us. So every single one of us are a part of God's plan. We are a part of the answer to the God in us. God being with us every single day. And part of that comes down to a very simple word called yes. It's an incredibly word. If you spell yes with a lowercase yes, the implications are it's just something kind of small and insignificant. But if you spell yes with a capital Y, it indicates something much more significant. If you say yes to God, then your yes is incredibly significant. You just don't know what's on the other side of your yeses. So I want to challenge you and encourage you, say yes to God. You definitely will not regret it. Here's a scripture for you to show you the power of saying yes to God, even when you think you know better. And of course, we all know better than God, don't we? Sometimes. This is Luke chapter 5 and verses 4 to 6. When he had finished speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, 
put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So God, Jesus, may ask us to do things that we've already done without much success. But when you say yes to him and it's under his direction, then the results can be incredibly different. So don't protest. If God's asking you to do something, don't bring out the list of reasons why you shouldn't. Just remember that simple word of saying yes. And then just see if your nets are going to break or not. Here's perhaps a different approach in thinking about, is God with me or not? We probably all, by this stage, used a GPS, Global Positioning System, to help you navigate your way around, and you'll either take a lot of heed and a lot of direction from the GPS, or again, you might think you know best, but I'm so grateful that the GPSs are pretty forgiving. Even if you do take a wrong turn, then they'll pretty much help you along the way. But I remember the first time that we'd used GPSs, which is probably around about 15 years ago. So me being a bit of a tech nerd, um, I'm always on the cutting edge slash bleeding edge of technology. I love that kind of stuff. So we'd hired this camper van, Robin and I, my wife, we were traveling around New Zealand and I, I wanted to hire this GPS unit. They were too expensive to buy back then. So we hired one, came as part of the camper van and uh, we picked up the camper van at Christchurch and we're heading down to the south of uh, New Zealand, not only one day, but our ultimate destination was Queenstown. And so I plugged in Queenstown on the GPS, press the start button, and um, off we go. And we're going on the main road, and then we take a bit of a detour here, and then we go around the back of a shopping centre, and then we start going through some roundabouts, and then more roundabouts, and then a back laneway. And I pulled over and I thought, hang on, something's not quite right here. So I said to Robin, can you just check that I put the right thing in it? She goes, yes, you've put in Queenstown. We're in Christchurch. And I'm checking some other little settings. And there's two options you could have chosen. One is quickest way. One is most direct. Well, as the crow flies, I was going in the most direct direction. Basically draw a line between Christchurch and Queenstown. Go that way. Through shopping centres, through laneways, through roundabouts. It was doing what I told it to actually do. I thought I knew better. And so God's pretty much like that in our lives as well. We can think we know better, but we do need to listen to him. And if you take a wrong turn with God, just like your GPS is, he's very good at redirecting you and giving you that clear instruction. Okay. Let's have another look at another scripture on here. This is Matthew 28 and verse 20, uh, a verse that might be familiar to quite a lot of you here. Just picking it up on verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If there's only a few things that your mind can take in in one time, if you're like me, that's certainly the case. I hear a message like this and they go, oh, that was good, that was good, that was good. But I really struggle to contain a whole bunch of things, which is why I do always try and take notes. But I want to encourage you, this is probably the most important scripture that you can memorize out of today's message. This is Jesus' words. Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. That is a promise from Jesus. So this point is about God with us. We're about to get into God will always be with us. And this is the proof that God will always be with us. This is the proof that God is with us through Jesus. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, so that's my second point. God is with us. 
on to my third point then, which is my last one. And we're actually having communion today as part of the, the morning service. And so uh, my message will be finishing up a little bit um, shorter than normal, which is why I'm already on to my third and last point. So point number three here, God will always be with us. Here's a scripture to kick off this section, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So pretty much the same promise again from God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's another scripture to think about. And uh, again, this is probably quite a a common one, a popular one that you might know of. This is Psalm 23 and verse 4. And this is from the NIV version, the New International Version. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, in other versions of the Bible, in the New King James Version, uh, part of that passage says, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I want to focus in on a couple of those things. The first one is the shadow of death. Do you know shadows have no substance to them? They can't do anything to you. Shadows have absolutely no power. Now, ask any kid uh, who's seen shadows and been scared witless. Sure, they believe shadows actually have power to the point that they can be absolutely terrorised and you can try and pacify them. I remember my parents trying to pacify me that all I was seeing was a shadow from the you know tree out of the window. But uh, when it's a stormy night and it's dark and there's lightning flashing and you're seeing weird shapes and the mind goes all over the place, my mum could not convince me that that shadow didn't have any power over me. It had full control over all of my emotions. But you know that's what shadows can be in our lives as well? They can just be ideas, fears, and they can have incredible binding power over our lives. But all you need to do is stand between the light source and what's causing the shadow and then look behind you and in a moment the shadow is gone. You can stand between anything that might be threatening you with a shadow of death. And you know, you can actually get someone to stand in that place for you. You know what his name is? Jesus. If you've got anything happening in your life, ask Jesus to stand in the gap. And that's exactly why he came. He will stand in the gap. And then that cuts off that shadow because the shadow actually has no power over you. As we continue on, still looking at Psalm 23, talking about uh, walking through. Emphasis there on the word through. Through is not the same as out. This scripture would have a completely different meaning if it said, though you take me out of the darkest valley. How many of us want to go out of something rather than having to go through it? I know that's me, particularly when it's something that's not going all that great in your life. We don't want to have to deal with going through things. We want to just have the quick out. But getting out sometimes isn't the solution. Um, I took my car through a car wash a few weeks ago. Sorry for all the car fans who say you should never go through a car wash. I know that. I probably write the book on that, but I also get lazy and it has bird stuff all over it. And so I think that sometimes I'm just going to go through the car wash. And a couple of weeks ago, I'm going through my uh, local car wash and about to punch in the code. And I see a sign on there um, when you drive in and it says, once you enter the car wash, do not leave the vehicle, do not leave the car wash until the cycle is complete. And in bold, big letters, do not leave your vehicle whilst in the car wash and obviously you think well why would they say that well if you've been through a car wash recently you'll understand why there's water spraying everywhere with detergent there's all those swishy uh, 
what do they call it, the rollers and everything, like the hula hoop kind of thing, washing your car like that. So uh, dancing instructions are later, version two. So clearly that's not a good time to get out of the car, but there was a nice little sign. Basically, in event of emergency, dial this number. So you can uh, kind of call the number, I suppose. But the moral of that story is you need to go through the car wash. You're not meant to get out of the car wash. And just like the car wash, you know there are positive outcomes from going through the car wash. Well, let me tell you, with God, when you go through things with God, there will be positive outcomes for you as well. So know this, that God is there with you through the car washes of life, whatever they might look like for you. There's a scripture that talks about that. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the emphasis there is on loving God. You know, if you're angry with your parents, if you're angry with somebody else, you're not going to be very good at receiving anything from them. If you're loving someone, then you're going to be more receptive to those things. So, And I've been angry at God at different times. Not hugely angry, but I just know in my own heart, I've been a bit ticked off at God, and that's probably not wise for us mere mortals. But if you're angry with someone, don't you know there is that barrier again? You can't receive, no matter how great advice they're trying to give you, no matter the sort of help that they're trying to give you, you are going to be very hesitant to receive that help if you are angry with someone. But if you are loving someone, acting loving towards them, they are acting loving towards you, then you're going to be in a much better position to receive all those things they want to give in to you. So for that verse there, we need to make sure that we do love God. And then his promise is that all things work out for good. Not necessarily all things that we like, but ultimately all things for good. God is there in the midst of any of those things. I know that sometimes it's really hard to see God in situations. It's a bit like losing something. Ever lost something like your sunglasses and been looking for them for like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? And then you go to scratch your head and realize, oh, there they are. They've been up there all along. All the car keys. I've done this a few times, desperately searching for the car keys. I always put them on the dresser where my wallet is. They're always there. And it's like the old, uh, Robin, have you seen my car keys? Which is code for, have you stolen my car keys? (laughs) And of course, it's like, no, sweetie, I haven't seen your car keys. So I keep on looking. And then eventually... There they are, in my pocket. So it can be very easy to be looking for stuff and not realise what's right in front of you. Now, I've got a a scripture reference here for you, just for the sake of time. I'm not going to read all of it, uh, but maybe later on, if you can, have a read of this. This is Luke chapter 24, and the, the whole reference is verses 13 to 27. But I just want to read verses 13 through to 15. It'll give you an idea as to what this uh, story is about. This is uh, after Jesus was crucified. And so there's a couple of uh, men walking along the road who had been a part of what was going on. And this is the third day. This is on Sunday after Jesus had risen. So this is picking it up here. Now, that same day, the two of them were walking, going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Can you imagine? They were there. 
They'd seen him. They'd seen all that was actually going on. Jesus himself comes and walks alongside there and they don't recognize him. It can be like that in our lives sometimes. Jesus can be right there and we don't see that he's there. Never make this mistake of you know, having your mind say, God wasn't with me, God isn't here. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he's not there. And of course, God is omnipotent. He's everywhere. He's always here. God can't not be with you, otherwise he wouldn't be God. It's that simple. God cannot not be with you, otherwise he wouldn't be God. So God, it's like oxygen. Oxygen is in this room. If it wasn't oxygen in this room, we'd all be killed over. We'd be dead. So God is always with us. Our struggle sometimes is feeling God, wanting to feel God, wanting to see his impact, wanting to see his influence. But rest assured, God is absolutely always with us. It can sometimes be the indicators and the parameters that we put on our lives. They're the things we're looking for to prove God. You know, the Pharisees were always on about that. They were always going to Jesus. If you are the son of God, dot, dot, dot. The devil even tried that one. If you're the son of God, cast yourself over this cliff and the angels will rescue you. God doesn't need to prove himself to anyone. And God doesn't need to give us parameters just to make us feel happy, even though that's the way that our minds do work. He's always there with us. One of the best ways that you get to feel uh, the presence of God, I suppose, and get to know what he looks like, get to know what he sounds like, is to spend time with him, just like in human relationships. You know, people would say walking with God is difficult. It's not. How do you get to know another human being? You just spend time with them. And it doesn't just mean sitting next to them and not communicating. You actually need to communicate with people. You have conversations with them. You ask them questions. You, you have backwards and forwards. Over time, the relationship develops. That's exactly how it works with God. God talks to us firstly through his Bible and then through his Holy Spirit. So you need to spend time regularly, ideally daily, reading God's word and spend time praying with him. And you'll get to understand what he's talking to you about. If God wants to direct you by his word, which he does, he can't direct you to something that you don't know. If you want to find out what's on the free-to-air television tonight, what do you need to do? You need to check the TV guide. Otherwise, you're not going to know. You're just going to turn it on, and then I suppose you will find out at that point in time when you, when you switch on the, the TV what is on. But you would consult the guide to find out what's coming up. Then you, are, then you become informed, and you know what's happening. Well, read God's word. Be informed. And then he can bring those things back to your remembrance when you need to know about them and give you input and speak into your life. You'll get to know him and pray with him on a regular basis. And I'm talking more than the 30-second prayers. And this is uh, probably over 20 years ago now. Um, I'd, I'd actually skipped my regular time in the morning with God. I normally don't, but I did on this particular occasion because I was really, really busy at work. This is my reason, of course. I was really busy at work. And I'm driving to work and I realized that I hadn't had my quiet time with God. So I'm at the traffic lights and I'm doing the old red light traffic light prayer. So I'm saying, God, I've got a really, really bad day coming up. There's a lot of stuff I've got to do. So I'm sorry I didn't spend my time with you. And I felt this, I heard this voice from the Holy Spirit saying, but imagine what your day could be like if you had spent your time with me. I thought, wow, the, you know, the 20 minutes or the 30 minutes that I thought I'd saved, imagine what my day could have been like if I'd have put it all before God and seen the amazing outcomes. So your prayer life ought to consist of a little bit more than red light uh, prayers. Read the word and get familiar with God. 
As far as God always being with us, God's presence can take on different ways and different meanings. Here's another scripture for us. This is Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So hearing from God is important as I've just been talking about. Reading his word, that's great. But spending time in God's presence also gives you rest. It gives you an incredible rest. It gives you a supernatural rest. It gives you an unnatural rest to the point that you can be having storms all around your life, yet you can have an amazing peace of God. Why is that the case? It's because you spend time with God. And as the scripture tells us, he brings peace into our heart, the peace that surpasses all understanding. So again, huge benefits and another promise that God will always be with us. I've had so many times when there's been issues and I've been praying to God about it. And I've, you know, just last week I was saying, God, I don't even know what to pray here. I don't know what to ask for, but I know you understand what's going on in my life. And so help. You know, sometimes that can be some of the best prayers. It's just like help. No conditions, no 55 bullet points, just help. And God understands what it is. And, you know, at that moment I had an incredible peace. Nothing necessarily changed that I was aware of other than getting an amazing peace from God. So as I wrap up that point then, we've been talking about God with us in different ways. Point one was God was with us. Point two, God is with us. Point three is God will always be with us. Now I've just got a, uh, I want to give you six different scriptures And so maybe just jot these references down. Um, I just want to read through them reasonably briefly. These are just six that I did a random Bible search on. I thought, okay, God, where's some other places in the Bible that you talk about always being with us and always being for us? So here's the first one. Joshua 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These are promises for today, tomorrow, and forever. Romans 8.28, as we read that one before, and know that in all things God works for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Genesis 28.15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. That's Genesis, right back in the beginning. God's made that promise to us. He watches over us wherever we go. Psalm 94, verse 14, For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You don't get to have eternal life with God if God's not with you and if you don't get to be with him. So amazing things that we've seen on there. So God will always be with us. Now, of course, as I come to an end on there, thank you, Michael, if you can pop out. I think you're around somewhere on the keys there. Having God with you means that you need to be with him. And it is the most amazing, simple thing you can ever do. It's a very simple prayer. You just basically say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? I choose to follow you. It's as simple as that. And we don't want to make you have to do that in this place this morning. We're not going to be saying, show your hand if you want to say that prayer or come down the front or anything like that. We respect your privacy. And if we've got to try and coach you into doing this, 
then it's probably not going to stick. But we want to give you every encouragement to follow Jesus and just say just a very simple prayer like that. Even if you go, well, look, I forgot what that pastor guy said, but just speak it from your heart. God's there, always ready, always willing, always able. And to help you along your way, we've provided this facility where all you need to do is grab your mobile phone out and text the word yes. I talked before about that incredible word yes. This will be the most important yes you will ever say in your life is by saying yes to Jesus. And so the number's coming up on the screen there for you. All you need to do is text yes to that number after you've prayed that prayer. Send it through that number, 0488826392. And then what will happen is that that will go through to us here at Metro Church, and we will send you a Bible verse starting tomorrow at 7am for the next 30 days. And there'll be a sample prayer that goes with that Bible verse, helping you also to see how simple it is to pray to God. That's all you need to do. Uh, You can stop that at any time. Just send the word stop and we'll stop doing that. After the 30 days of those Bible verses, you can opt into additional series. And we've got over 20 additional series that you can uh, opt into as well. They only run for 10 days because we don't want to get too deep in there. But there's a whole bunch of things available. But that's the most important yes you will ever make in your life. So please avail yourself of that. You can grab uh, little flyers with that number on it over at our Connect Hub if you didn't grab that number before. And you can do that anytime you want, 24-7. It comes through at all times. All right, so I mentioned this morning that we're going to be taking communion. This is a great day of the year. This is our last Sunday of 2018. And so what a great thing to be able to do is to come around the communion table and to celebrate communion with one another. So if you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, we encourage you, please uh, be a part of this. Host team, if you could please come and start serving, that would be great. And I just want to give you a few thoughts about communion. So as the emblems are handed out, just please hold uh, the bread uh, and the cup of juice. Thanks, Leah. Uh, Just until we've all been served, until I finish talking about this, and then I'll ask us all to uh, stand together and pray, and we can take communion. But I wanted to do a a bit of research here, and it was actually while I was preparing this message this morning that I came across one of the instances which talks about communion, and it got me thinking about some of the other scenarios as well. So what I found is that there there are three times in the Bible where Jesus, we saw him breaking of bread. There's four, actually, but two of those were about the same uh, scenario where he feeded the masses. He did that on two different occasions. So there were three individual times when Jesus broke bread. And they were all unique, and they were in different situations, but they all had the one common thing. It was about Jesus breaking bread. Now, bread is used. It is a part of communion, and so we've got some small samples here, which is why we're using it today. It's a part of communion, and so it's the tradition uh, that we follow to this very day, and we're doing that today. Here's the first scripture that I want to show you about. This is Matthew chapter 14 and verses 15 through to 20. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He then gave them to the disciples and gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So that's instance number one of Jesus breaking bread. 
unusual, I know. It's not about communion, or so you think. Here's the next one, Luke 22, and verses 19 to 20. And he took the bread, this is about, this is an actual communion instance here. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And now we come to the third instance. This is going back to that scripture we talked about earlier in Luke 24 where the two men were walking by the roadside after Jesus had been crucified and Jesus comes up alongside them and talks with them and they didn't actually recognize that it was him. So I just want to pick it up in verse 30 and 31, still back in Luke 24. So verse 30 says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. So these three breaking bread times do relate back to communion. Instance number one, that was the symbolism of breaking bread. It was pointing towards a future Jesus broken body. It's about having one thing and multiplying it for the sake of others. It's about increasing something's reach so that it becomes available to many. That's Jesus for the masses. Instance two, that's the Last Supper, the symbolism of breaking bread and Jesus' broken body. Jesus makes it personal. That's Jesus for us as individuals. And instance three, a spiritual connection or a reconnection, a clarity and a closeness that comes to God through the breaking of bread in a communion sense. That's Jesus about our connection to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body that we see in Scripture here was foretold. We see the powerfulness of what it means. We thank you for your shed blood. And Lord God, as a family together, we thank you, Jesus, that we get to celebrate this. We get to come close to you. We get to thank you for your sacrifice. We get to commune with you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, precious Lord. Can we all stand just before we eat and drink? And so just in these few brief moments, I'm not into, and as a church, we're not into making New Year's resolutions, but I know how the human psyche works, and I know there's New Year's resolutions that are talked about all around the world. So I don't think you could come to a day like today, tomorrow is New Year's Eve, I don't think you can come to a day like today and not be thinking about the year that's just gone, and more than likely not be thinking about the year that might be coming ahead. So rather than thinking about, well, maybe I will make a New Year's resolution this year, can I get you to make this determination to follow Jesus to the best of your ability? That's not a hard thing to do. If you know Jesus, that ought to be the most natural thing that you ever want to do. Lord, we put this next year before you. God, I pray that you'll use every single one of us Lord, may we look back in a year's time and feel closer to you and know more about you and see how you have been with us through every time, through every season, through every instance. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink. Thank you.